Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lovi. Can we appreciate Pastor Lovi for such an amazing, energetic service leading? Thank you so much, Pastor Lovi. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Soundman, give me a bit of treble. Yeah, I've been in the books about how to sound better on, on the microphone. Oh, you don't want me to sound better, is it? Eh? Please just add some treble for me. Romans chapter 8. We'll read from verse 28 all through to verse 39. As that is coming up on screen, I just want us to take time and appreciate the leaders of Rivers Church. Ain't it a blessing when you find good leaders? But is that how you appreciate your leaders? <laughs> Leadership is so critical. Imagine being born at the time of Idi Amin. And Idi Amin is your pastor. God save us all. We celebrate every leader in the house. We don't take it for granted that you obeyed the call of God for your lives. And that's, that's a big thing. Romans chapter 28. I'd request us to rise up as we read that. We'll read from verse 28 all through to verse 39. Not because we don't know the scripture, but because your neighbor has not been reading the word. And we, we, we are trying to pastor your neighbor also. And this is the only chance he's getting in the whole week. Ask your neighbor, did you, have you read your scriptures this week? Have you, have you, have you read... How many memes have you forwarded? <laughs> Let's go, and we know. Just wait a minute, just one second. I'm, I'm requesting, for the sake of your neighbor, let your neighbor know that you also believe what you're reading, so that you're not suspicious, right? You're not a Philistine or an Egyptian. Let's go, and we know. that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. He also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. If God is for us, who can be against us? But gave him up for us. whom God has chosen. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us? nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long considered as sheep to be slaughtered 
know in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither hate nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in our Lord Jesus. Amen. If you have a seat, just symbolically sit on your enemies. May you overpower them with the sheer volume of your weight. <laughs> you know when they said sit on your enemies, it doesn't work so well for slim guys. Eh? <laughs> Because like, if that is how you are sitting on me, that weight is not enough. I will just rise again. So good to see each and every one of you. Welcome to church. Smile a little bit. The week has been difficult already. You have been too serious at work. Things have been difficult. People have been blocked. Banks have sent letters. But we are in church. Hallelujah. Here we are. You made it this far. Glory to God. And you're not going anywhere anytime soon. Hallelujah. Our text today is important because we begin now to conclude what Paul began in Romans chapter 1. And it is interesting because the last portion that we've read is the conclusion of chapter 8, which is the conclusion of chapter 1 to chapter 7. So this is the conclusion of the presentation of Jesus Christ according to the gospel of Paul. And he says a couple of statements here that I would like us to keenly examine because the Bible student must not be hasty with the scriptures lest he loses or he passes loosely that which God has placed for his edification. And now when you look at this so-called Sunday school verse, in verse 36, he says, my focus is actually verse 37. He says, nay or no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now I want you to see something here from verse 28. Bible says that we know that all things work together for good for them that love God. And the presentation is such that we begin to literally ascend to heaven and gain ascendancy and victory on every side. Verse 29, he says, him who he did for no, and it is evident then that God is in control of our lives, that nothing catches him by surprise. And he digs deeper and he goes and says, him who he also predestinated, he also called. And those that he called, he justified. And him that he justified, he also glorified. And that in interacting with God, there is always a lot of God and less of me. Because destiny in this kingdom is the hand of God upon the life of a yielded man. And he pushes further and says, what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And it looks like the whole, as it were, ammunition and army of, of heaven has been summoned for your life. Then he says, who shall lay any charge against us? Who shall lay any charge against us? It is God that justified. Verse 34, he says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, 
who even at the right hand of God is seated. And now he goes to the ultimate verse of the New Testament. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. When you study verse 36, you begin to realize that it is almost as if the floor has been broken. It was victory upon victory. Who shall separate us? He says, we have been predestined. He says, who shall lay a charge? He says, but the text now introduces something that is completely out of place or something that looks like it has been misplaced. And he says that for your sake we are killed all day long. And that introduces tension in the text because it breaks the flow. Now if you study that a little bit, you will realize that verse 36 is actually word for word of Psalms chapter 44, one of the last verses. Exactly as is. Then he says, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And for our subject today, we are looking at more than conquerors. Now for the King Bible scholar again, you will realize that he uses a word construction here that should immediately raise questions. Because he says we are more than conquerors. It is difficult enough to be conquerors. Yet the scriptures elevate us to a place where, the, where Paul argues and says that the conclusion of the matter is that we are more than conquerors. Particularly in the Greek, you can understand it better because the Greek word here, conqueror, is hupaneke, which means one who gains victory quickly. Or one who has vanquished completely. One who gained victory quickly or one who has vanquished completely. That, that is already enough for some of us. Man, if that could be said that you, you, you gain victory quickly and you vanquish your enemies completely. I know you're thinking about your landlord. He said. But he says... To conquer, you need to go exceeding and beyond. But God is saying here that you are more than conquerors, meaning you, have, you are now going further than exceeding and beyond. And there are two parts to these scriptures today. I want to, I'll take the next 20, 30 minutes just to go through what then does it mean to be a conqueror? And then we will look at what then does it mean to be more than conquerors? Lord Jesus, help us all today. Don't leave anybody untouched in this place. Unravel your word before our very eyes. Cause us to receive nutrition from the unadulterated milk of your word. Cause us to grow this day. 
thank you because we have come to your house, O oh God. Let our lives never remain the same again. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. In dealing with the book of Romans, it is important that you realize that Romans, as it were, is the strength of the gospel. It is the strength of the gospel because in the book of Romans, Paul begins to explain the philosophical and theological implication of the historical text that is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the synoptic gospels, we are able to see the uniqueness of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are able to see the uniqueness of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are able to see his death and resurrection in the gospels. And that produces faith in us. And we begin to believe that in fact and indeed, Jesus Christ was conceived of a virgin and died for our sin. Paul said he hath made him to be sin for us. Him who knew no sin. That in him we might become the righteousness of God in him, through him that we believe. And that through the gospel we are able to come to church. That it is belief that draws me to church. But the infrastructure of heaven is such that I come by what I believe. But I stay by what I know. That there is now a requirement to go beyond belief and to get into knowledge. And we're living at a time where the church has been accused of many things. One of them is that we have refused to deal with reality and that we are detached. Let me give you an example. For example, if today you went home and in going home you found that your wife, who you know is a housewife, has uh, given you a keys to a brand new S-Class 2019. You know, some single likes Mercedes-Benz. And she has given you this Mercedes-Benz and she hands you the keys. But you know very well that she has limited resources, especially in this era of sponsors, institutions, uh, aid, and so on. Before you dance around this Mercedes-Benz, the first question you begin to ask is how is it that with your limited resources, you are able to put together for me a white-on-white Mercedes-Benz? For those ones who don't know white-on-white, it means white color, white seat, like for the prophet of war, right? You first ask yourself, you with your limited capacity, how is it that you deliver to me this car? And that is the place that Romans chapter 8 opens with. That first he brings us to a place of knowledge of what God has given. And sometimes preachers, we want, to, we want people to shout. And when people don't shout, we get offended. Yet, before you give them something to shout about, the shout is a shout of flesh. That before I can dance around and be excited at the victory that will be achieved this year in 2022 because of the prayers that we have made and God's plan, I must first know what is God talking about. That there has to be a movement from belief into knowledge. Very important. It is here that Colossians chapter 3 finds its strength in verse 9. He says, put off the old man and his deed. Then do what? Put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That it is important in our surgeon to move from belief into knowledge. 
And this is important because the center of the church has been emotionalism. And I worship him because I feel good. And the worship leader will do a lot of things to capture your emotion. But adventure that you may lift up your hands and say Jesus with a soft voice. That there is emotionalism that I will serve him when I feel like it. That I'm driven not because of who I know, but I'm driven by what I feel. Paul says there has to be a transition from belief into knowledge. So the book of Romans then begins to show us and demonstrate psychologically the work of, the Jesus, the work of Jesus on the cross and the implications for the believer. When you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they don't talk about adoption. They don't talk about salvation by faith. They don't talk about justification and predestination. They don't talk about atonement and propitiation, all which are the foundations of a solid Christian life. It is the book of Romans that begins to open up our spirits to the work of Jesus on the cross and the consequence of that work. Consequently, the argument begins to build in chapter 1 of Romans by beginning to demonstrate that man tried to understand God. And there is always this desire to want to put boundaries on God depending on our mental capacity that I interact with him based on what I know about him mentally. Yet God is not discovered. God is revealed. And God says, because you have tried to reach out to me with your mind, I will therefore give unto you a reprobate mind that does not deliver excellence. And man is given to himself. By the time you get into chapter 2, he deals with the Israelites. And he says that for you Israelites, I've given you the Pentateuch and you have the law. I've given you a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I demonstrated myself to you physically. You show my glory, yet you fell short. And God is saying that in order to walk steadily and in order to come to a place of victory, faith must transition what we see and enter into what we know about God. That the strong Christian is the one that does not walk by what he sees. Because what he sees is temporary. But he walks by what he does not see. Thank you, Jesus, so much. That's why we continue to trust God for a bigger tent. This is a very, I've never seen a church like this. It is growing so fast. Pastor Love, have you ever seen a church like this? My goodness, Forbes should start going for these things of fastest growing church. Rivers Church will be there number one. Because we not walk by what we see. We walk by, we don't walk by, we walk by that which is unseen. It is very easy to praise God for what he has already done. But the work of destiny requires that we praise God for what he will do. It is here that Romans chapter 3 enters and says, all of you have fallen short. That both the one that does not know God and the one that thought he knows God because of the demonstration of God, both have fallen short. And the argument is, will you move when you can't see him? Is your Christianity based on the tangible presence of God? Do you only move when things are working in your life? Or do you move because you know whom you have believed? It is here that maturity is defined. 
says all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And chapter 4, 5, and 6, he argues now and puts the case for justification. The first argument is this, that as, as the same way, it is extremely impossible for Abraham, who's already 100 years, and his wife Sarah to give birth to a child. It is the same way that justification is impossible. And chapter 7, he begins to argue vehemently about the fight between the flesh and the fight between the spirit. The fight between the pursuit of God and the fight between the pursuit of your own desires and ambition. He says, oh wretched man that I am, that which I desire to do, I do not. And that which I don't want to do, that I do. And it is clear now that because of my need, God begins to move in chapter 8. And this is now important because if I am able to see him, then I'm able to worship him even when I can't see him. If I can grasp my mind, if I can grasp my spirit, if I can see him and experience him, then I can follow him. Remember, he appeared unto Abraham when Abraham was 99 years old in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And he said, walk thou before me and be thou holy. That in walking with God, you don't walk behind him. Because walking behind him is easy. You don't need faith to walk behind him because you can see him. But in the walk of destiny, he says, walk before me. That I have to be careful. So it is Isaiah now that puts it in context and says, In that day, the Spirit of God will speak to your ears and say, This is the way, go by it. That faith and being submitted to the Spirit of God is the instruction for the steps of destiny. That I may, by faith, I must move forward. And sometimes you will make a step. You cannot clearly see the end. But God is saying, Move. And the Spirit of God. Is whispering to your ear saying, go this way. This is the direction. And he now introduces about six strong arguments why we are conquerors. And he begins the text by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation. That there is therefore now no condemnation. Three thoughts. The first one is that there is no condemnation, but the no condemnation must come after a therefore. And one author argued that Christianity is really about deductive reasoning and the logic of the work of Christ. And the argument then becomes because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because I needed a savior, he provided his blood and I'm therefore justified. And that if you want to attack my tomorrow, you must first attack him. That if you're going to say my tomorrow is non-existent, if you're going to say that I am hopeless, you must first deal with because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That because I'm justified by faith, I am standing in grace and I have peace with God. That my peace can never be moved until you deal with the one that justifies. 
that there is a therefore in the life of every Christian. The second thought is this, that there is therefore now no condemnation. That when God looks at the world in view of Romans chapter 8, he sees only two kinds of people. There are those who condemnation is ahead of them and there are those who condemnation is behind them. And his argument is that for us that are in Christ, there is no condemnation because the demands of the law have been fully met. And judgment is behind us. That gives us confidence because we are able to have a robust relationship with him. Hebrews says that we are able to come to the throne of grace with boldness. Why? Because judgment is behind us. The devil is a liar. There is no judgment that remains. He says, who shall lay a charge? And every time the devil begins to whisper to you about your past, you can open up your mouth and say, get out of my house, devil. There is therefore now no condemnation. Somebody says, I know about you. We know your past. You know, we've been posting on social media. Somebody says, ah, I saw you went to church. Even you, you went to church. The devil is a liar. There is therefore now no condemnation. This gives you permission to silence Somebody sent you screenshots of what you texted five years ago. The devil is a liar. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Something like this gives you, you just feel like you can go and decapitate a lion with your own hands. Says there is no condemnation. Anything that looks like condemnation is not of God. Judgment is behind us. That gives you confidence. The third thought, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the spirit, but after the flesh. Point number one. Every, every preacher knows a good sermon has three points. Here's point number one. The first premise, because we are trying to understand where, what does it mean, one, that we are conquerors? Or what does it mean that we are able to get victory quickly? Or we are able to vanquish completely? What does it mean? The first argument is that for the law of the spirit of life, Jesus Christ, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That there are two laws. There is one that produces sin and death, and there is the other that produces life in your life. And God is saying that by the spirit of God, there is a stubbornness that you cannot entertain sin and be at home with it. That you have to fight with the law of the spirit in your inside. That your steps are ordered of God. That there is always a second opinion about that which you must do. And that is the voice of the spirit. That to truly conquer is to yield to the directions and dictates of the spirit of God. Remember Jesus said, it is advantageous that I go. It is important that I leave, John chapter 14. Because after I have left, I will send another helper who is the one that goes along with you and he will lead you unto all truth. We conquer by yielding to the spirit of God. We conquer by knowing that there are certain places we cannot go. One theologian said that if going will cause us to sin, we, we must refuse to go. If touching will cause us to sin, we must refuse to touch. And if seeing will cause us to sin, we must refuse to see. That the responsibility to appropriate the power of the spirit lies with the believer. That you can conquer. There are no issues in the kingdom of God. You know, I have an issue with a foul mouth. The devil, there is no issues. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't have an issue. You just need to decide. 
look at the other one, tell them you need to decide. And anytime the, bo the ball is passed on your side and you must now em embrace Christian responsibility and discipline, you will lift up your voice and say, grace, grace. God sent me today to tell you that the strength to conquer is now in your hands. That if going, let me, uh, this one I must repeat. I, this one, I must repeat this one. I'm very glad you're not saying amen because I'm saying 1,000 amens in my heart. Amen. <laughs> let me, let me, I will say it 1,000 times because I'm your pastor. My work is to pastor you. Now let me say this again. If touching will cause you to sin, you must refuse to touch. I know you heard me. If seeing will cause you to sin, you must refuse to see. If going will cause you to sin, you must refuse to go. Narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. He said if your arm causes you to sin, you must dislocate that arm. How do you conquer? We conquer by appropriating the power of the spirit to live a Christian life. And that is why we overcome him by the word of our testimony. There has to be a testimony in your life. Let me tell you. What people say about you matters. I know you heard me. You can post on Facebook all you care. You know I don't care what people say. What people say doesn't matter, etc., etc. No. God is saying what people say matters. Your testimony. What is your testimony? What is your testimony? That's number one. Here's number two. Here's number two. Then he says that we are, we are not debtors to the flesh. I'm laying down the foundation why we conquer. He says we are not debtors to the, to the flesh, to live after the flesh. And in my studying of this scripture, I came across an example that I need to give you. And he says that being a debtor to the flesh is like having that boyfriend, that ex-boyfriend that comes to town once in a while. That you used to date and then you broke up. But once in a while this boyfriend comes to town. And be like, hello baby, how are you doing? Can we meet at Java? <laughs> Can we meet at Art Cafe? I'm sorry. Yeah, we don't have Java guys. Can we meet at Siege? Can we meet at Highlands? <laughs> if you came from Riru this morning. <laughs> Can we meet at uh, where? Chicken Inn. Can we meet at Chicken Inn? And you say, I'm not coming. Say, baby, for, for all time's sake, just for one more time, I just want to see those eyes. I want to behold the beauty of God. Huh? And all of a sudden, there is a yes in the flesh, but there is a no in the spirit. And now, once in a while, you will yield to that temptation, but a time comes when you're no longer dead to the flesh or you're no longer dead to the, to the visiting boyfriend. And he calls and says, hey, baby, where are you at? I am in the spirit. <laughs> what do you mean you are in the spirit? I said I am in the spirit, the Holy Ghost. Do you mean uh, gin? No. <laughs> and he continues to push because sin is relentless. And says, why don't we meet just one more time? Then he says, the only meeting we can do is an evangelism meeting. What do you mean? 
It means, then, you know, he says, it, you must be having a man. And the answer there is, yes, I have a man. His name is Jesus. I owe you nothing else other than love. Where were you when my soul was troubling at night with painful travail and depression? Where were you when I was going through heartbreak? Where were you when you caused confusion and disrespect in my life? I owe you nothing. No data to flesh anymore. And then you quickly go to WhatsApp and you say blocker. When you say block, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the impact. Block feels very nice. You blocker. And you go to Instagram, block and report. And you file a report at the DCI. Persona non grata. Says we are no, lo we are no longer debtors to the flesh. There are calls that you must not pick this year. I know you heard me. There are calls that you must not pick this year. There are calls. Listen, we will pray for you here as your pastors and it will work. But there are calls that you must not pick this year. Say amen. There are places you must not go say amen. There are DMs you must not answer this year. There are businesses you must not enter into. There are contacts. Listen, have you ever met these people who always have ideas to improve your income statement but illegally? You know, why don't we change the company? Why don't we not pay tax? Why don't we bribe somebody at KRE? The devil is a liar. There are business partners we must not entertain this year. I know you heard me. Praise the Lord. There are business partners we must not entertain this year. I don't know why you don't like this. Oh, you want houses, eh? Oh, you want it, we declare a house. No, we will not. What we are declaring is that you must... <laughs> we are no longer debtors to the flesh. There is victory when you determine what happens in your life. God is saying we are not debtors to the flesh. We are not living after the flesh, but we are living after the spirit. Then he says like this. But he realizes that this is not easy. And by the time you cut to verse 23, now this thing is getting real. And he says that we are patiently waiting in struggle, that I am tired of my negative attitude. And I am tired of constantly falling down. I'm tired of constantly going back, making steps ahead and moving forward. I'm tired of living a double-standard life, a hypocritical life. That I can't even speak with one voice concerning my testimony in God. And he says, the spirit likewise also knows our infirmity and maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. God is saying that your soundness of mind is so important that the spirit of God is making intercession for you. That that thing you're struggling with, the spirit of God is already praying for you. Have you ever met these guys who the only thing they keep telling you is you had a scandal in 2017? Huh? The devil is a liar. The, the only thing they remember is what you didn't do last year. Right. It says the spirit of God maketh intercession for us. Because the child of God when he's in error, he's not at peace. Let me read for you this scripture. It says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have first fruits of the spirit. We ourselves, we groan within ourselves, waiting for adoption. It says to wit the redemption of our body. That I am disturbed at the wickedness in my flesh. And defeat is when you're comfortable in weakness. That when you know this is not of God and you're comfortable, God is saying he is not there. Remember, we, we looked at it last time, that to be carnally minded is enmity with God. That mind is hostile against God. Romans chapter 6 says that mind does not perceive the will of God. That mind is at war with God and God will not reveal himself to that mind. It says that the child of God 
the child of God patiently waits for the redemption of our body. For the redemption of that which disturbs us. That we are not comfortable in our weakness. We are a working in progress. But we are not at home with things that don't glorify God. What is your mind today concerning that thing that you call weakness in your life? What is your mind there? It says that the victory is refusing. And let me say this. this there's a preacher who said this. That it's very difficult. I've said this several here. That it's very difficult to cast out a demon you slept with. Seller. It is completely schizophrenic. It is disconcerting. It is madness. It is crazy that in the evening I was baby and in the morning I am bastard. And God wouldn't accept it. Oh yes, alliteration. Yeah, bastard, baby. Don't play with your pastor. Eh? <laughs> Are you there? That we are groaning. Then he says this, and this is now important, but we know. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 28 and principle number four. That we all things work together for the good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. That the greatest victory is not that I will work it out, but all things work together for the good of them who are the called. That when I perceive it with my mind and when I analyze it with my mental faculty, I'm not able to see the escape, but all things work together for the good of them that are the called according to his purpose. That what matters in this life is that I have God and because I have him, all things work together for the good, my life and the state of, um, of my mind, my emotional awareness is not swayed by what I can see. It is not moved by what is happening around me. Situations got nothing on me because all things work together for the good of them that are the, are the called according to the love of God. That our answer is God in the morning. Our answer is God. You know, somebody says, how do you know things will be okay? Because I have God. How do you know that we, things will be fine? Because I have God. How do you know that you're going to go through this? It's because I have God. How do you know that you will have the victory? It's because I have God. It's an adamant, ebullient mindset of choosing to believe and stand in the victory of God. No matter what you see. One poet said, I am not moved by what I see. Hallelujah. Because I believe in the word of God. Hallelujah. That I'm not moved by what I see. And it's a training that must now happen. That when you see something, when all hell breaks loose, that you can steady your mind. You can steady your spirit and say all things work together for the good. They might not be all good things, but they are working Together, one theologian argued and said, this is the manipulative sovereignty of God. That our God is so sovereign that even when the enemy hatches a plan, God uses that plan to advance his own. Remember he said that the princess says that, he, but, that but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which the princes of this world knew not. Because had they known it, they would not have crucified Jesus, the Lord of glory. Yet, in that 
when the enemy thought that now he's about to get rid of Jesus, God used that foolishness of the enemy to advance his plan. How much more you? Hallelujah forever. That there is a divine manipulative sovereignty. Somebody said that I lost my job. All things work together. God is manipulating that job loss into a redirection, into a reinvention. Somebody said, but what are you talking about? I just lost my marriage. It doesn't matter. God said all things work together for the good of them which are the called. Pastor, you're preaching so good. But my, my business is being auctioned. All things work together. He didn't say that all things are good. But he said all things work together for them that love God that and those times what becomes the anchor to the soul is my love for God that as long as my love for God is not shaken then my life is not shaken remember we began by deductive theology that because he lives I can face tomorrow that until you deal with Jesus I'm not moved and then it looked like you got to your end how you conquer is by saying all things work together all things work together for the good of them that love God. And as I begin to conclude now, he says in verse 31, what shall we say? He asks two questions. What shall we say of these things? What shall we say of these things? Then he says, what shall we say of these things? What shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to these things? If he that spared not his own son is getting better, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him give you all good things? And I discovered an answer that breaks every manner of warfare. That sometimes I don't have the words to utter the right warfare prayers, but you can also say, I got Jesus, that I have Jesus. He said, he who did not spare his own son, that in dealing with the challenge of life and in dealing with the heat of destiny, God's solution was Jesus Christ, that he gave us heaven's best, that the highest gift that heaven could ever give us was Jesus Christ. Then he says that because he gave us Jesus, how much more will he freely not give us all things? And there's victory in knowing that I have Jesus, the child of God, can never lose everything. Have you ever heard somebody said, you know, I feel like I've lost everything. I've lost, I've lost everything. No, the devil is a liar. The child of God can never lose everything. You have not lost anything. You have Jesus Christ. And you and Jesus is a majority. The greatest strength any man can have in this world is the assurance that I'm with Jesus Christ in my life. There is a spring that comes to your steps when you step into an organization and you know that the organization has no power to determine your life. That I am there but just for a season. That I can can be in an association. I can be in a business partnership. And I know full well that bread does not come from the business. Bread comes from heaven. Somebody said, you know, I have to be strategic because I want to be promoted. But promotion does not come from the east, nor does it come from the west. There's a spring that comes. To, there's an, there, let, me, let me call it like this. There's a divine arrogance. Knowing that there's nothing the enemy can do that will change anything in your life. 
It might adjust some things. It might delay some things. Some inconveniences must be introduced. And it might become uncomfortable quickly. But God is saying, if I did not spare Jesus, how much more will I not freely give you all things? And it is here that you begin to see the mindset of the believer. That if you are joyful only because you have the car, then that joy was not Holy Ghost joy. That was Toyota Probox joy. If you are joyful only because you are taken for a date and your husband has a, gives you attention, that joy was not Holy Ghost joy. That was husband attention joy. And when the attention of the husband goes down, so does the joy get out of the window. But God is saying there has to be a stability. And the stability is that I have Jesus Christ and him and me are a majority. Open that room to Jesus Christ. Open that room to Jesus. What, what, what is this part of your life that Jesus has not yet accessed? Open that room. Because the victory is knowing that him who did not withhold Jesus Christ, but he gave us Jesus Christ, how much more shall he give us all things freely? Then he asks the first question, if God... My goodness. He says, if God, which God? The one who formed the universe from nothing. If God, which God? The God who resurrected Lazarus when he was already stinking. In fact, one author said that the, that the wind below his, the wind below his fist rolled the grave and Lazarus jumped out. That the breath of the spirit restored his mortal body. Which God? The God who Peter said, if it is you, master, bid me to come. And Jesus said, then come. And Peter jumped on the water. Something that looked impossible. He says, if God... If the God who shut the mouths in the lion's den when Daniel was about to become somebody's lunch and God said, not today. Today you have become vegetarian. If God. One author said that here we are dealing with Jehovah El Gibor. That is the name of God when he's going to battle. He says, if God be. You see, this is such a powerful. He says, if God be for us. He says, if God. be for us. Who can be against us? One other said, and that who left the mouth of God and it accessed the office of Angel Gabriel and asked Angel Gabriel, can you be against them? And Angel Gabriel said, I don't want to be in trouble. Leave me alone. And he shut the door. And the who walked down the, the streets of heaven and found Angel Michael and asked Angel Michael, can you be against them? And Angel Michael said, it seems you don't know Yahweh Adonai. And that who entered the earth and it accessed the devil. And he asked the devil, can you be against him? And the devil said, thou hast blessed him. Thou hast put an edge of fire about him. Thou hast blessed everything that he does. Nothing can harm him by any means. And that who accessed Moses and the mother of Moses. And they said that the decree in the land was to kill every firstborn. But the who asked, 
can you be against Moses? And the answer is no. If God be for us, who can be against us? There is no power on earth that is strong enough to stop the omnipotent influence of God in your life. There is a victory in having your security in God. Remember Solomon said that the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run to it and they are what? Safe. But you must first run to it. Praise the Lord. The tower is not coming to you. It is you going to the tower. Very important. Then he says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. And the example that comes here is when you come to a parent and begin to tell the parent about how the child is difficult and how the child has been wayward and how the child did not finish homework and how the child did not, you know, the child was a noisemaker and the child in Sunday school, we buy apples here for children. The child ate all the apples and drank all the milk and broke the television and the parent said, leave him alone. He is my child. Look at that. Who can, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That God's love is not passive. God's love is aggressive and God's love answers back. It says, who can lay charge to God's elect? And it is clear now that we are conquering by walking in the spirit. And we are conquering by allowing ourselves not to live after the flesh, not being debtors to the flesh anymore. We are conquering by the Spirit of God making intercessions for us, number four. Number five, we are conquering because we know that all things work together for the good. And we are conquering because if God be for us, who can be against us? And we are conquering by the blood of the Lamb. And we are conquering by the strength of the Word of God. And we are conquering by angelic assistance. And there is an ascendancy in our lives because of the work of God. Yet, Verse, 39, verse 38, 37, 36. As it, written, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed. For thy sake we are killed all day. We are slaughtered. And this was difficult to understand until I took time to quickly run to Psalms chapter 44. And, the David, and David there begins to speak. He says, we have heard of you, O God. We've heard how that by your hand you delivered our forefathers. We've heard how that by the swing of your staff you parted the Red Sea. He says we've heard how that by the proclamation of your voice there were plagues in Egypt. But now the strong, of, the strong men of Israel have been killed. Then he says that my, my shame is forever before my eyes and my, says my pain has engulfed me. He says, you, O oh God, have not heard of our cry and you have not come through. That when we lifted up our voice in the day of trouble, there was silence in heaven. Psalms 44. It says we are slaughtered all day. And if it was sacrificial, then it would make sense because if I'm being slaughtered as a sacrifice, then it is benefiting me. But I'm being slaughtered for food. In fact, the word says that we have been slaughtered all day. And the picture there is slaughtering for fun. 
that the enemy is literally having a field day with us that looks like hell has broken loose on every side. Can I explain this thing? That I have been, I have been living a holy life, yet I am single for 10 years. And once in a while, there is loneliness in my heart. And I lift up my voice in heaven and say, Oh God, that you may find a husband for me and heaven is silent. That you've been serving God faithfully and you've been serving God consistently and you've been paying your tithe, yet you can't even pay your bill. The poverty has arrested your life despite your commitment to the house of God. Then he says, yet I have dealt faithfully with your covenant. Yet I have dealt faithfully with your decrees. That the individual that is more than a conqueror is the individual who will lift up his voice and praise God despite and in spite of. That, oh yes, I am divorced. And it looks like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to marry again. And that situation is not about to change. The individual that is more than a conqueror is the individual that lifts up his voice despite of what he's experiencing. That being more than a conqueror, that despite being slaughtered all day, you can lift up your voice and say, Jehovah is good and God is great. And I bless him and praise him because he has my back. He has become my shield and my buckler. That I can lift up my voice even in tears. And the pronouncements of the scriptures must always align with the substratum of the gospel, which is Calvary. And I look at Jesus at Calvary, and his, and his, his, his flesh is torn and pierced, and he's bleeding on every side. And a member of the cross, about 75 to 90 pounds, has been on his shoulders all night long. And they have been beating him with rods of iron. One author said they have been beating him with the rods of iron. They have been beating him with sheep bones. And women saw him and began to weep. And he said, weep not. And they lifted, up, lifted, they lifted him up to the cross. And he was being crucified. And they are driving the nails into his, into his hands. And he says, forgive them. And God says that here is the righteousness of God revealed. That if you want to see me, you see me in the gospel. That the highest revelation of God was found in God, oh God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is being more than a conqueror. That you can be bruised. You can be broken. You can be completely overwhelmed. But you can never be conquered. Stand up on your feet and just lift up your voice and say, Lord, thank you because I have the victory. Thank you because I have the victory. And I'm becoming more than a conqueror. Thank you because I have the victory. I have the victory. Sometimes I feel that I should be further than I am, oh God. But thank you because I have the victory. Thank you because I have the victory. Thank you because I can lift up my voice in pain, oh God, and say you're worthy to receive my praise. You're worthy to receive my worship. You're worthy to receive my life because thou, oh God, hath been slain and you have been redeemed us by the blood. Thou, oh God, has inscribed us into the palm of your hands. You dance over us and you declare of your love toward us that greater love has no man than this 
that a man may lay down his life even for the sake of his friends. Just lift up your voice and say, Father, thank you for every difficult situation in my life today. Thank you, O oh God, that even if the situation does not change, you are my God. And above you there is none. That like Meshach, Abednego, either you will say that if God deliver us, glory to God. But even if he does not deliver us, we shall not bow unto graven images. We shall not bow unto another God. That there is no pressure in this life that will cause you to bow. We bow for our God only in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and say, oh God, I refuse to bow to pressure. I will not cave in. I am not going to give up now. In the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter what darkest night has come to my doorstep. You can lift up your voice today and say, devil, get out of my house because I am more than a conqueror. Despite and in spite, God not coming through. I have dealt faithfully with his covenant. I have dealt faithfully even with his law. In the name of Jesus, thank you, O oh God, because you are breaking every giving up spirit. The Lord, this week we try again Again. In the name of Jesus, this week we try again, oh God, that that which did not work, you're giving us the grace again. We are not giving up. In the name of Jesus, that no matter how ugly the situation has become, no matter how ugly, oh God, the situation is, you are giving us the ascendancy above. In the name of Jesus. And the text introduces two things. One, I have to deal with the doubt that is now created. That I am not sure if God is coming. And that there is doubt does not mean there is no faith. And then I must overcome the ugly situation in my life. And that even when the situation does not change, I will lift up my voice consistently. Because all things work together for the good who are the called. All things work together. All things. Just lift up your voice and holler all things. Let there be an all things in your business. All things work together. All things work together. Today, oh God, in marriages in this house, all things, all things, all things, in businesses that have been difficult, all things work together. Thank you for the manipulative sovereignty of the divine. You're manipulating things in our lives to cause us to get where we must go. All things are working together. All things are working together. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to declare the proclamation of God that indeed all things are working together for the good of them which are called, are the called in the name of Jesus. I want to invite the pastors to come up. Just come with your mic. Just come with your microphones. Today is our last Sunday of January. We are now getting into the year and we want to take some two, three minutes just to pray together. And we want to believe God that this year will not be like last year. This must be a better year in the name of Jesus. That God will begin to open opportunities that will buy back time. That God will cause us to have the victory. That every dark cloud that has been in our lives must be broken in the name of Jesus. Just lift up your voice and say thank you God for this year. This is going to be an amazing year. This is your best year yet in the name of Jesus. Pastors, just pray with me in the microphone. This is going to be your best year yet in the name of Jesus. This is going to be your best year yet. 
create in the name of Jesus. Marital bliss must be restored in the name of Jesus. God must restore profit in our businesses. God must restore profit in our businesses. In the name of Jesus, the hand that is, has been weaker, God is strengthening today. The hand that has been weaker, God is strengthening today. Somebody pushing the spirit now. Lord, every hand that has been weak, you are strengthening today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we decree that this year we are not failing. This year we are not giving up, oh God. This is not the year to give up. This is not the year to cave in. This is not the year to throw in the towel. This year we are going to be strong in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you because this year we will praise you. This year we will serve you, oh God in the name of Jesus. Father, this year, we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory. You are, Lord, our lives will magnify your name in the name of Jesus. This year, oh God, we are walking in holiness in the name of Jesus. We are walking in holiness. We are walking in holiness. We are walking in holiness. Hey, we are walking in separation. In the name of Jesus, we are living the consecrated life, the consecrated life of God. The life that honors God. The life that causes God to be proud. In the name of Jesus, this year, God will speak of you. He will talk about how that, have you seen my servant Job? Have you seen my servant Anne? Have you seen my servant Joanne? Have you seen my servant Elsie? Have you seen my servant? This year, there has to be a difference. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God said, it is for freedom's sake that he set us free. It is for freedom's sake that he set us free. It is for freedom's sake. From today, you must be free. I said, from today, you are free. From today, you are free. This year, there's freedom in your mind. This year, there's freedom in your mind. There's freedom in your inner man. You are set free to serve God. Hallelujah. Now, Moses said, let my people go that they may worship me. That the object and objective of our freedom is worship. God set us free, not to impress us, but to give us, to bring us to a place of worship. If there's a year you will praise this one. Say amen. If there is a year you will pray, it is this one. Your prayer life is about to improve. If you believe it, say amen. 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 He said, you have become the light of the world. No man puts up a lamp and hides it under the table, but he puts it on top of the table that it may give light. Then he said, you are a city set on a hill now. This year you will win souls. I said, this year you will win souls. If there is a year you're going to win souls, it is this one. Hallelujah. God is giving you the grace to use your story to win souls at work. You're going to be winning souls. You're going, you won't be tormenting your house help. You'll be winning her to Jesus Christ. You won't torment your boss. You'll be winning your boss to Jesus Christ. You won't torment your neighbors with loud music. You'll be winning them to Jesus Christ. Now lift up your voice and say, oh God, commit me to missions in the name of Jesus. Lord, we decree and declare this year we are getting into missions in the name of Jesus. We are going to the universities, oh God. We are going to the universities, oh God. We are going to the universities in the name of Jesus. 
us. Thank you, the Lord, you are giving us the grace to speak your word at work, to speak your word in our families, to speak your word, Lord, in our estates, to speak your word at our businesses, to speak your word everywhere we go. That we will declare the name Jesus. 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 Oh God, we are winning souls this year in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. We have three more prayer points and then we will go home. Solomon said in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 that if the axe be blunt, he must put much more effort. He must put much more strength. He's talking about cutting a tree. And he's saying for this tree to go down, the focus is not your effort. The focus is sharpening the axe. And wisdom is profitable to direct. There's a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs chapter 14. But the end of it is destruction. This year, God is giving us wisdom to know the way to go. In the name of Jesus. We are getting into the right relationships. There is no decision you will make that will cause you 10 years this year. Not this year. You are making the right decisions. You are entering into the right relationships. God said wisdom deals with prudence. You are being prudent about your money. You are making the right money decisions. You will not lose your money this year. In the name of Jesus. Now lift up your voice and ask God for wisdom. Who gives liberally that he may give unto you. Lord thank you for wisdom. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for wisdom. Now somebody lift up your voice like you believe it. Say oh God. Trust you for wisdom. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord we give you the praise. We give you the glory. We are walking in wisdom this year. We are walking in wisdom this year in the name of Jesus. We are walking in wisdom. Wisdom in our families. Wisdom in our businesses. Wisdom in our relationships. You are causing us to know the way to go. You are breaking the camp of confusion. Confusion is not in our midst. We will not be confused in the name of Jesus. Lord, we break the back of confusion. We break the back of confusion. We break the back of confusion. We break the back of confusion in the name of Jesus. Thank you because you are causing us to be led of your spirit. We know the way we must go. We know the way we must go. We know the things we must do in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. In this walk of destiny, the most important thing is the peace of your mind and the peace of your heart. Peace of mind, peace of heart. And we are trusting God for an edge of fire around peace in your mind and peace in your heart. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer supplication with thanksgiving. Make your request known unto God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 18. And the peace of God shall not guard your mind only, but guard your heart also. It doesn't matter what hell or high water will break loose. This year, peace of God in our mind. Peace of God in our hearts. Landlord, you can take your house if you like. Peace of God in our minds. Peace of God in our hearts. You can break up with me, no problem. Peace of God in my mind. Peace of God in my heart. If the fiery furnace that we must walk through is closing down our business, peace of God in our minds. 
peace of God in our hearts. And as your pastors, we want to declare today, this year you're walking in the peace of God, in the name of Jesus, peace of God in your mind. You will not be frustrated. You will not be depressed in the name of Jesus. Depression is kicked out of this church this afternoon in the name of Jesus. None of us will be depressed here in the name of Jesus. We lift up our voices. Oh God, you called us for such a time as this and we speak your word that Lord, there will be no depression in this house in the name of Jesus. The peace of God will guard our minds. The peace of God will guard our hearts. Come on church, somebody push in the spirit now. The peace of God will guard our minds that God, even when our houses become difficult to live in, your peace will be upon us. Your peace will be upon our mind. You will guard our hearts in the name of Jesus. Thank you, oh God. Finally, this is the final prayer. And it's a prayer for our hands. Scripture says God will bless the work of our hands. And may all your labors that you have been laboring, may they produce fruit this year. If there is a year, the labors of last year and the year before that, and the, first, first, and the, fi the five years that the devil stole, this year there has to be fruit for your labor. Solomon said, in all labor there is profit. When there is no profit, it is error. Now lift up your voice and just receive that there will be profit for your labor this year. What you put your hand to do will produce results. In the name of Jesus. Your business will produce results now. In the name of Jesus. This is the year your business must produce results. This is the year promotion must come. Who can be against us? This is the year promotion must come. In the name of Jesus. The promotion of God. The promotion of God. The promotion of God. Our businesses must produce. In the name of Jesus. As we parent our children, our parenting is working. In the name of Jesus. As we grow our relationships, our relationships are producing results. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Can I hear your loud amen? Come on, somebody. Can I hear your loud amen? Can I hear your loud amen? If that is your ear, clap those hands. If that is going to be your ear, clap those hands like you believe it. Somebody clap those hands like you believe it. Clap those hands. Let's go, let's go. Clap those hands, clap those hands. Jesus, just give him the glory. Give him the praise. Clap those hands like you have a God who is on your side. Clap those hands like you're going to produce results. Clap those hands like you're about to have a year like never before. Congratulations. Welcome to your best year yet. I said welcome to your best year yet. I said welcome to your best year yet. Congratulations. You're already looking better than you came in. Amen. Let's have our seats as we close our service. Pastors, thank you so much. Please appreciate your pastors for speaking over you. It is a, please, is that how you appreciate people who speak over you? Is that how you appreciate? You will spend time and go to Facebook and curse out everybody who cast you. But the ones who are blessing you, you can't even clap for them. Clap those hands for your pastors like you love them. I've never met pastors like this in my whole life. I'm completely shocked. Pastors who say we will not take an income. We are here to serve God. Have you ever had such a thing? Have you ever had such a thing? Oh, you're not shocked? Oh, you are used to pastors who shave you like they're shaving sheep, eh? Now clap your hands like you love your pastors one more time. Pastor Lovey, please join me on stage.
May God richly bless you, Rivers Church. And this year, something will happen in your life this year. And this will be your best year yet. Yes, this will be your best year yet. When UN is saying inflation is coming up, the pastor is saying this will be your best year yet. Because when men shall say there is a casting down, thou shalt say there is a lifting up. And there is a speaking back in Rivers Church today. Amen. We need to start revival meetings also, it seems. God bless you. Thank you for sticking in to the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop. And make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.